You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1338 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you deep into the night on a Saturday evening into Sunday here in late October. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And I also want to encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out at the Lawton Hawks podcast across podcast platforms Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and also on the video side over on YouTube. Today's episode will be breaking down the Hawks' narrow loss in Milwaukee. On this Saturday evening, a final score of 123 to 115. It was actually closer than that into the final seconds of this one. Obviously not the best performance necessarily for the Hawks, but the way that I would put this very simply is that the Hawks go in to Milwaukee. They have a difficult matchup. They performed reasonably well. Now, were they perfect? No, they were not. But this is not a loss that should inspire panic. In fact, it's the first loss this season for the Hawks that is having this takeaway. The first loss the Hawks had against the Hornets was a bad performance. It was a bad loss. This is one where it just kind of happens. You're playing against a good team on the road. It's it's back and forth. They didn't play an A-plus game, but the Bucs, you know, losing to the Bucs in narrow fashion on the road is a totally acceptable outcome in a lot of different ways. So break down what, what transpired in this one, but that's kind of the broad takeaways from this game is that Trey Young was fantastic. The offense kind of did his job for most, of the, for most of the game, but defensively, they had a couple of shortcomings, and that was what doomed them in this spot. But We'll get into the game as we always do here. Pre-game wise, not a whole lot has changed for the Hawks. Um, injury wise, in fact, nothing has changed. But Donovan was the only guy who missed miss this contest for Atlanta. It's important to know that both teams were on the second out of a back-to-back. And if you missed it, I broke down the Hawks' win on Friday in Detroit on this same podcast, as well as a win on Wednesday in Detroit. We've had we had Tower Jones on the podcast last week. It's been a very very busy slate of games and podcasts in this space. But both teams played on Friday. The Bucks had. Uh, did not have to travel. Though. The Bucks played at home on Friday, so a little bit of an advantage there on top of the fact that Milwaukee's playing at home, so keep that in mind. Um, injury-wise, though, the Bucks actually are a little bit more shorthanded than the Hawks are. Obviously, Bogdanovich is a, is a notable loss for Atlanta, but Chris Middleton remains out for the Bucks, an all-star level player on the wing. Also, Pat Connaughton, a rotation guy for the Bucks, still out. Joe Ingles, who they signed in the offseason, is still out as well. So a little bit of an advantage there for the Hawks, uh, as uh, especially with Middleton out of the lineup. But the Bucks remain the only undefeated team in the league, even after tonight. They're now 5-0. They were coming into the night number one in defense. So keep that in mind as the Hawks really played well on offense in this game, especially when you take into account that the Bucks are really, really, really good defensively, but um, still not quite enough. And Ben Online actually made this game the Hawks as a five-and-a-half-point underdog at tip-off. And uh, down the stretch, it seemed like the Hawks were going to cover this one. And at the very end, they let, they let go of the rope a little bit. So if you, if you were on the Hawks, my apologies. Definitely not the uh, most fun loss in the world at the end of this one on the spread perspective, um, obviously, versus the uh, total perspective and all that stuff as well. So we'll get into the game now. But um, even that should tell you that the Hawks were, for the first time this season, underdogs in their first back-to-back, all that fun stuff. So not exactly a, an embarrassing result on the whole. As for the game itself, we'll get into what transpired here. For the most part, the Bucks led for the lion's share of the game. Uh, it was kind of a, a disjointed start. The teams missed a combined seven of the first eight shots. Only two total points for these two teams in the first like two and a half minutes of the game. The Hawks had the first run, actually, though. It was a 9-2 run to go up by seven. Trey Young got going in a hurry, uh, cooking Juwan Carter a couple times. Um, there was one in particular that made the rounds on Twitter. It was kind of just had been a blender, necessarily. The Hawks made three of their first four shots from three-point range, um, rotationally 
nothing really surprising at all. In fact, it was kind of the carbon copy for the Hawks in this one. We'll come back to it later on. AJ Griffin played a little bit in the second quarter, but it was uh, Capella coming out early for a Congo, then coming back in with Trey Young. It was the same guys that usually play for Atlanta. Justin Holiday, who was better in this game, Aaron Holiday, and then um, obviously we, you know, the depth of Jalen Johnson as the backup four. Um, Trey was getting to the rim at will in the first quarter. The defense was definitely struggling a little bit, but Trey made his first five shots at 13 points in a hurry. Uh, Milwaukee is usually a good matchup for Trey. Not always. Milwaukee is a good defensive team, but Trey really does well against drop coverage. Talked about that a lot in the last couple of years, even dating back to the playoff series two years ago. But Trey is comfortable against the Bucks defense. Now, Milwaukee kind of plays that math-based defense where they kind of cut off the rim and they let you take threes and all that stuff. But Trey, against the drop coverage, is very difficult to stop. And he was definitely in a groove for the majority of this game. But the first run by Milwaukee was a 13-0 push in the first quarter for Milwaukee. And they led for basically the next two and a half quarters straight. Brooke Lopez was red hot for Milwaukee. He made his first five shots, including three threes. That's, that's of course, their seven-foot center. Um, the Bucs had nine assists in the first nine minutes of this game. The last one was pretty brutal because Capella had actually had a great block, and they couldn't get the rebound, leading to a three for Milwaukee to kind of capitalize on that uh, 13-0 run overall to go from down three to up eight. The Bucs were only down by two, though, at the end of the first quarter, and Trey had 17. He was brilliant in that first quarter, uh, but the Hawks, as they were the entire game, offensively, that was not really the problem. It was the defense. They had a 128 defensive rate in the first quarter and uh Giannis only had two points they were, were still losing because the Bucks shot it well from three they were four away from three with 10 assists in that first quarter um as for the second quarter AJ Griffin came in um to start the second quarter this time around if you, if you missed it on Friday Griffin did play in the first half against the Pistons on Friday but he played a little bit later in the second quarter this time around that was he was slotted at the start of the court uh, of the quarter with the Murray plus bench unit in place of Justin Holiday. He played a long stretch. It was his longest stretch as a pro so far, at least in a competitive portion. Played about five minutes. That was all he played in the entire game. It looked fine. He wasn't like super duper aggressive, but certainly is not shy about letting them fly. Um, did take two shots, missed both of them, but that's not a huge surprise. Had one uh, crashing, impressive offensive rebound, actually, from the, from the weak side. It was good to see. Um, Joan Johnson, I thought, was better in the first half than the second half. He had a very nice jump shot, about an 18-footer. That was good to see. Um Akongu had a great help side block against Giannis. A lot of young guys doing little things that were impressive in that first half. It was mostly Johnson on Giannis during that stretch, but it was a little bit of Akongu as well. Um, they were down eight at the half, though. The Hawks were not playing fantastic basketball at times in that second quarter. The bench units were not like super effective in this game. And the offense was fine, um, generally speaking, in the first half. It wasn't fantastic. Trey uh, cooled off. The one time he was not really cooking in this game was in the second quarter. And they were not efficient from two-point from two range. They, they did hit six of 12 from three in the first half. But not great process. We'll come back to this later on. But the Hawks took a ton of mid-range attempts. And I'm not trying to pick on that every night. But this is arguably the starkest it's been the entire season so far. The Hawks just didn't get the rim very much at all in this game. Didn't take a lot of threes. Took a lot of long twos. A lot of, lot of floater range shots. And then also only had seven assists in the first half. That's a very low number for this Hawks team. Um, defensively, same kind of story as it was the entire way. Um, the Bucks had a offensive rating well into the 130s in the first half. This is a crazy part. Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're two best players right now with Middleton out. And obviously Giannis is in my mind, the best player in the world. I said that on Twitter on, on Saturday and got some pushback. I'm okay if you want to pick somebody else, but I think Giannis is the best player in the league. It's not really a controversial opinion either. He's really, really, really good. Um, you can say he's not the best offensive player for sure. I think you'd rather have guys like Jokic and maybe even Trey on offense, but Giannis's defense kind of puts him in a different category in some respects. But anyway, he's an awesome player, but Drew and Giannis were 3 16 from the floor in the first half, and the Hawks were losing. Not a great situation there. Um, Lopez hitting five threes was a big part of that. And just as a note here, um, Lopez was being guarded by John Collins for the most part. There was a lot of focus on both, uh, especially Capella, but even Kongu as well, for letting, for kind of quote unquote, letting 
Lopez, Lopez get loose. One thing here, um, number one, the Hawks will take Brook Lopez shooting threes. Now he's a good shooter. That's worth that's worth noting. But that's one of those make or miss league kind of things. You have, you kind of have to let Brook Lopez shoot some threes. Um, and generally speaking, Capella was guarding Giannis for the most part, as was the Kongwu for a, a lot of different parts parts of the game. So. The Bucks are a different matchup. You don't usually put your center on Brook Lopez necessarily, especially if you can have a guy like Wall up against Giannis. So uh, keeping that in mind, like you know, Lopez got off in the first half, but it wasn't like anybody's fault necessarily. It's one of those things. And uh, also, the Hawks only, only forced three turnovers in the first half. That um, also led to a little bit of uh, leverage for the Bucks offense in this one. Okay, before we get to the second half, as we always do, as uh, sort of our thorough accounting of what transpired in this game, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and the NBA season is rolling along with action each and every night. Football is also in full swing. It's it's a fantastic time of the year to be a sports fan. Bet Online is the number one source for all the betting needs that you might have this season in the sports world. Find all the latest developments, the game matchups, the news, and the podcast at Bet Online. And Bet Online is a continued source for wagering information in the sports world that includes live betting and esports and live scores. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on anything that you want to in sports world. It's just a fantastic overall option. On this show, we focus on the NBA heavily, of course. And there are plenty of NBA offerings still at Bet Online with game lines and props every night. Future bets are still available on who's going to win the East and the West and the NBA title and the awards and all that fun stuff. And elsewhere, Bet Online has odds and lines on college sports and, of course, football. They have baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to Bet Online right now on your mobile device or your computer to check out all of what is offered there and learn more about all of the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, and the third quarter was uh, pretty close fought. In fact, the Hawks lost the second quarter by six points. The rest of the game, the first quarter was decided by two points. The third quarter was decided by one point. The fourth quarter was decided by one point. So basically the only uh, um, sort of lopsided quarter in the entire game was the second. And the Hawks won the third quarter, actually. It was back and forth for a while in the second half. The Bucks led by as many as 12 early in the third quarter at one point when Drew and Giannis finally got going a little bit, made some jump shots. Giannis was getting to the rim a little bit more as well in the second half. The Hawks did hang around, though. A couple nice finishes from Trey Young and, De- and DeAndre Hunter at one point. Akongu had uh, kind of an interesting sequence where he had this borderline illegal screen that was a really good seal to let Trey get to the rim. That was helpful. But the next possession, he got called for an offensive foul for, for a moving screen. It was probably the right call, but uh, it's kind of one of those things where like moving screens are often not called, and when they are, it can be frustrating. I know Kevin Chenard talks about this a lot. Kevin is a, definitely an arbiter of the moving screen in a big way. I don't want to talk about that a ton, but uh, that was one of those uh, just situations where like you don't know, you never know what's going to get called in the NBA circles. Trey, though, was very quiet in the second and was not quiet at all in the third. He had a logo-style a logo style pull-up three to get the Hawks uh, back within four, like three and a half minutes to go. There was one really bad mental error by Capella. I know I am uh, definitely higher on Capella than most, but this is a bad moment for him. He bit on a Giannis pump fake from three and got a foul as a result of that. That one just cannot happen. Giannis taking a three is a great result for the defense, especially if he's like semi-contested. You just do not want to jump on Giannis, on Giannis jump shots, especially from three. That was a bad moment from Capella and a bad time. He did have a nice end of the quarter in the third with a tip in and then a block at the end of the, at the very end of the quarter, basically at the buzzer. That was a glaring mistake from Capella defensively. Um, the Hawks were down by seven at the end of the third, only won the quarter by one, but Trey had 16. So if you're scoring at home, 17 in the first quarter and 16 in the third quarter from Trey, that's pretty impressive. But the Hawks only won the quarter by one point, so that's not necessarily great. Defensively, they got better in a few different areas, but Drew and Giannis getting going was not what the doctor ordered for the defense, and they lost a couple of cutters as well for some re- easy buckets in the third. In the fourth, the Hawks were down by 10 with 10 minutes to go. So it was basically, they were losing this game, as I said before, like basically from like the middle of the first quarter to the middle of the fourth quarter, pretty decisively, not like hugely, but like in that eight to 12 to six to 14 range. 
And then a big stretch actually was Justin Holiday. Now, uh, Holiday has had a bad start to the season as a shooter in particular, but and he was due for some positive regression. But he hit four jump shots in about three and a half minutes to start the fourth quarter, uh, two of which were threes, um, and a couple of down, down to three. So basically, the Hawks go from down ten to down three, almost entirely on the strength of Justin Holiday shooting jump shots. That's a reminder that, by the way, for a six-season sample, that's a very, very large sample in the NBA. He's a 37% three-point shooter. So I know there was a lot of panic about Justin Holiday not being able to make some shots early in the season. He's been bad so far as a shooter, no question about that. But this is a reminder that he can make shots. Like He's not a knockdown guy like Edgy Griffin is, but he can shoot. And that's a reminder of that. Um, rotationally, again, there was uh, just the same nine. No Griffin in the second half of this one. They waited a little bit longer than I thought they probably should to bring Trey and Collins back in. In the fourth quarter, that was not egregious or anything like that. And uh, Kung played, played for a long while in the fourth before they brought Capella in. All that was fine too. Like I could see arguments for Capella versus a Kongwu down the stretch. I don't think Kongwu was like firmly outplaying um, Capella, nor the other way around. So I definitely understood that on all sides. But I thought that they probably waited a little bit too long for Collins in particular because Jalen Johnson was struggling in the fourth quarter. But um, anyway, worth noting there. It was a long scoreless stretch in the middle of the third quarter on both sides. It was 196 for a while, like two and a half, almost three minutes. And then Giannis missed two free throws in that run. It was just kind of stagnant there. And um, from there, like a lot of play-by-play, I'm not going to do the entire thing for you, but there was uh, that, that silence of offense was broken up by a absolutely monstrous put-back dunk by Akangwu over Giannis that almost killed my friend Bob Rathbun on TV. You never hear Bob go that crazy very often, and that was a lot of fun to hear him kind of react to that one. If you saw, if you didn't see the replay on that one, find it somewhere on Twitter or elsewhere. That was a that was a massive dunk by Akangwu to get the Hawks back within two. And they, did, they sort of dodged the ball a little bit after that with a blown defensive rebound. The Bucks missed an open three, and then Murray got to the line, got back to the rim, I should say, cut the lead to one. And it was really back and forth from that point forward for like the last five and a half, six minutes of the game. In fact, Trey scored on back-to-back floaters to tie the game uh, with about 4.40 to go when the Hawks have been losing again for about two and a half quarters straight. Um, from there, it was like a lot of back-to-back and back-and-forth kind of stuff on both sides. Giannis had a huge dunk that was uh, definitely noteworthy, <laughs> to be sure. Um, on, on that play, by the way, Collins and Congo kind of botched the switch, allowing Giannis to get downhill, which is bad news for everybody. And after that play, actually, it was when Nate went to Capella. I'm not sure that was the plan all along, but that was maybe why he was frustrated with Congo in that moment. Trey hit another huge three from like very deep to give the Hawks the lead for the first time. And that was only the second lead change of the entire game. Um, but basically immediately Giannis scores um, to kind of have the third lead change of the game, let's just say. Uh, Trey finally missed one, but from there, basically, it's almost important that I do some play-by-play here. So uh, Giannis to Brook Lopez for a bucket, and the Hawks are down by three, like three and a half minutes to go or so. Um, Trey kind of lost his legs a little bit, I thought, down the stretch after he was fantastic for most of the game. Um, had some uh, kind of maybe tired attempts. I'm, I'm, sure he would, I'm sure he wouldn't say that, but just a little bit of short stuff, um, both in the rim and also from three. Um, Murray had a nice floater back within one with like two and a half minutes to go. They fouled Drew back. Basically, it went from like one to three to one to three for a while. It was a great drive and finish by John Collins, who wasn't great in this game. It was a really good finish by him around the rim. There was a moving screen call to Brook Lopez. That was a big call. And John kind of sold it. That was the right that was the right move by him. He played well down the stretch. Um, Trey took a pretty bad long two that he missed. And then Drew Holiday missed one right back to have the Hawks only to be, only be down by one. And then there was another questionable shot by Trey. Uh, I'm not trying to pick on him because obviously he was a big reason why the Hawks were in this game. But Trey struggled down the stretch, I thought. Um, definitely one that he can make, but it tracked as a 31-footer. I thought he was pressing a little bit, trying to kind of make those hero shots that he is uh, capable of making. But he missed three Trey shots there. None were fantastic looks necessarily. And then Giannis gets the ball. Gets a put back and Hawks are down by three with 115 to go. Out of a timeout, DeJounte hits a nice, like, 
beautifully under control 15 footer that just like a pro shot from him great shot there and then Giannis though hit a very tough fadeaway off the glass that's one of those shots if you watch it back like no one's going to stop that Giannis at his size taking like a 17 footer off the glass what are you going to do basically and trade trade then got his best his best possession in the final three minutes basically a, a nice pull up as well that he made uh, and then a great defensive play by Collins to close the space on Brooke Lopez and force a timeout with like nine on the shot clock late in the possession for the Bucks. but then Drew hit a tough floater um, in, in the middle of the lane to go back up by three. And uh, basically, Drew was great in the second half. He was 9 of 10 from the floor after that bad first half for Milwaukee. And then came the, the most memorable play of the game, unfortunately, for Atlanta. So with 23 seconds to go, the Hawks call timeout down three. That's a reasonable timeout, but it's their final timeout, which is noteworthy for a couple of reasons. Um, out of the timeout, a very questionable offensive foul call. Now, we don't have the benefit as I'm recording this podcast of having the last two-minute report by the league. I've seen the replay a few times. Nate McMillan was asked about this after the game, and I'll share his thoughts with you in a second. But originally, there was a – broadly speaking, there was a foul called on the Hawks on the inbounds pass with the ball. I think everyone thought it was on Trey originally because Trey got ran over on the play by Wes Matthews. Uh, it was actually called on DeAndre Hunter. And Hunter maybe gave like a shove a little bit. That's not a play that you really ever see called. Um, I will say Wes Matthews definitely sold it. Like he kind of like did the whole veteran thing as he should. That's part of that's part of the deal in the NBA. But and he sort of ran Trey over, kind of fell over Trey. They both went down, and it was a very strange call. Let's just say I don't think it was like the worst call I've ever seen. Uh, but a that's not a call that's favorable at all. And b um, there was no way to challenge it because Nate had no timeouts left. So it was kind of a perfect storm for the Hawks. It was a questionable call, to be sure. I think it was the wrong call, to be very clear. Um, but not not being able to challenge it, just a bad just a bad break in the moment. Then, then they had to foul after that. They had to foul Drew, who made one of two to go up by four. That actually missed the second one. Bucks with the rebound. They had to foul again, and suddenly they're down by six. And basically, the game's over at that at that stage. Then they turn it over. Uh, they got a they got a run out dunk and it, and it goes to eight. So you know the last twenty seconds were kind of just a mismatch. Once they had once they had to foul Drew down three, you're you're obviously a huge underdog. And I'll say this: I do understand the outrage on the foul call. Although I, I, I will say it was like a little bit split. People were like more frustrated with the Hawks, and else there was people that were like really mad about the call. I totally get all that. I'll just say this for the sake of being uh, level headed: the Hawks are still down three there with 23 seconds to go. You are still a very big underdog in that spot. Now you have Trey Young, you have DeJounte Murray, like those guys can make a shot and you tie it and you go to overtime or whatever. All fair. But it wasn't like the Hawks were down one or even tied or something like that in that spot. They were down three. Like they, they were big underdogs. I'm not going to say like that didn't change. The game. It definitely changed the game. Now, did it lose the Hawks the game? I wouldn't go that far. But um, at least worth noting that it was they were losing at that stage. But still a frustrating call and a frustrating way to end the game. And uh, by the way, Nate was asked about the call after the game. He basically said that he had not seen the replay yet and did not see it live because he was trying to watch the whole play. He thought uh, basically Trey got run over in, in, in real time. Uh, but he definitely just kind of just didn't answer the question for the most part. Trying to avoid the fine there is the right, the right decision for sure. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it's it's a call that's maddening. I don't want to spend more time on it than I have to, but uh, it does kind of just leave a sour taste in your mouth, give away it happened because that's, that's not just not, it's not a call you see very often, especially when it was on Hunter and not Trey. Like uh, sometimes you get, you get that sort of block. Char- it wasn't like a true block charge, but off the ball, like you get, you get tangled up and it kind of goes every, either way. But the fact that it was called on Hunter for the shove on West Matthews made it a little bit strange. That's for sure. Okay. From there, uh, the takeaways from this game um, are endless. Basically, I could do a whole segment on this, basically. But um, I will say this. I thought it was a defensive first loss 
for the Hawks, which was that was definitely shown in the numbers as well as if you watch this game back. The offense was pretty good in this one, which we'll come back to. But the Hawks had a 124 defensive rating in the game. And if, I, if that's all I told you about this game coming in, it's like, all right, the Hawks go to Milwaukee and they allow the Bucks to have a 124 offensive rating. I would say the Hawks lose that game, let's just say more often than not, <laughs> uh, and very much more often than not, like 80, 20, 90, 10 kind of thing. Um, Milwaukee did win the turnover battle and the rebounding battle. Not by a lot, but uh, those are not edges for the Hawks. Like the Hawks are often in a good position, especially in turnover battle. Um, they did not win it in this one. That's at least notable. The Bucks took almost double the free throw attempts, which I know Hawks fans were mad about that for fishing purposes. But maybe Millen said after the game that he didn't think the Hawks got to the rim enough and created enough free throw attempts. I think it's somewhere in the middle. The Hawks didn't get a, a super friendly whistle in this game, but they also weren't as physical at the point of attack as the Bucks were. You know, also, just worth noting, Giannis and Drew went nuclear in the second half to kind of neutralize what Trey was doing. And rebounding was an issue at inopportune times. The Hawks did uh, do a good job on Giannis, I thought, for the most part in this game. And they protected the rim very well, by the way, as far as the center position was concerned. Like a lot of blame, as I said before, on, on Capella and Kongwu. Not really what I saw on tape. I think it was more like point of attack stuff. And there were some bad rebounding moments for the Hawks across the board in this one. But uh, the Bucks made a bunch of threes, too. And, like, and the Bucks, if they make threes... You know, someone who's watched this Bucks team, watched Mike Boone's team for a long time. If they shoot 39% from three on good volume and get to the line a lot, they're going to win most of the time. Uh, that's also worth noting in this game. Uh, tough sort of cut. The way that I put on my notes is like a tough combination to beat if they're going to make threes. Um, offensively, the Hawks were pretty good, honestly. Um, is that like satisfying? Maybe not. Trey was great most of the night. We'll come back to him in a second, but he was certainly the headliner on offense. But the Hawks had a 116 offensive rating. In this game, that's a very good number, no matter what the context. But then you throw in it was against the maybe not number one overall in my team quality, but coming in the night, Bucks are number one in the, in the league in defense. It's on the road. It's a back to back, and at minimum, the Bucks are good defensively. You don't you may not think they're elite, but they are a good defense. That's a good number in that situation. The Hawks were thirteen of twenty nine from three. That's not a ton of attempts, but if, you, if, they, if the Hawks shoot that well, they're going to win more often than not. And this game, it just wasn't enough. Now, Nate said, as, as I mentioned before, he talked about this post game that he thought the Hawks settled too much and not getting to the rim enough in the game, not getting to the line enough in the game. And that's evident on tape, and it's also evident in the box score. So the Hawks took 15 free throw attempts. That's a pretty low number. That includes zero in the fourth quarter. That's frustrating. I know the Bucs took a lot of free throws in the second half and a lot of free throws in the fourth quarter. The Hawks had zero. Part of that's just the nature of being on the road, unfortunately. Part of that's also that the Hawks were not getting into the rim. And that's, you know, you have to be able to create free throw attempts. Like, obviously, you have to get calls as well, but you have to put the pressure on the officials to actually make calls. Um, and for the entire game, the Hawks only took 18 shots at the rim, according to Cleaning the Glass. 18. That's a very low number for context. They also had a whopping 47 attempts from two-point range outside the rim. So basically from four to 22 feet, 47 attempts. The Hawks were leading the league at one point this season so far, like in the mid-30s. So that's that's a ton of attempts. Um, that's just way too many in that range, even though the Hawks are, as I've been saying for a while, they are built to take a lot of mid-rangers this year. Trey, DeJounte, DeAndre Hunter, even Collins. Like, they have some mid-range guys, but that's too many, uh, almost certainly. Now, the Bucks do wall off the rim. That's something that the Bucks definitely do. But you want to take more threes than that, and they didn't really do that in this game. The Hawks did shoot well from floater range. A lot of that was Trey and DeJounte. But they also were only 11 of 29 on long twos. So that, those are the 14 to 23 feet area. Like those are traditionally the, the shots that you don't want to take a ton of. 
29 long twos is a ton of, a ton of long twos. That's not efficient either. 11-29, you know, is not terrible, terrible, but not good either. Anyway, the Hawks also had 19 assists and 13 turnovers. A turnover number is fine. 19 assists is pretty low. So, you know, process-wise, were the Hawks great on offense in this game? No. But Trey was electric, and the Hawks shooting 45% from three. If all you know is Trey's going to have 42 points and the Hawks are going to shoot 45% from three, you should win a lot. But the combination of a bad defense, uh, at least the bad defense by the numbers, and also the fact that they just didn't take a lot of threes and it took a lot of mid-rangers, that's kind of what levels you off there because the Hawks were only yeah, 32 of 65. So like sub-50% on twos, that's a bad number. It's not terrible, but 49, 48% on twos would be like a bottom five, bottom 10 number in the league on those shots. And uh, that's tough to overcome even when you shoot fantastically from three-point range. All right, we'll have more on this game when it comes to uh, individual players, all that fun stuff. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. All right, we'll dive in now to the player evaluations. And uh, 10 guys appeared for the Hawks in this one. AJ Griffin was the 10th. He played the least, about five minutes of playing time. Uh, he finally missed some shots. AJ, uh, after making every shot he took, the first few games that he played was 0-2 in this one. He did have one really nice offensive rebound. Uh, defensively, he was not awful but not great either in his limited sample size so this is totally fine nothing to worry about here for griffin he's going to make a bunch of shots and uh, i'll leave that there for now uh aaron holiday took a step back after his awesome performance on friday he was fine i thought three points two assists had a rebound was pretty good at the point of attack defensively um was minus five the bench was uh, outscored as a lot of the team was in this game but uh there you go on that one i don't think he i don't think he was a problem nor was he a huge positive justin holiday had that great stretch in the fourth quarter when he made four jump shots in a row. Did have four fouls, 13 minutes of action, but uh, did his job for the most part here. Defensively, I think nobody was great at the on the perimeter from Trey to Murray to both the holidays. Like it wasn't great for anybody. Hunter especially, I thought struggled defensively at times in this game, but the Hawks uh, got enough got enough from the holidays in this game, especially Justin had his best shooting night of the season. And then Kongwu was good. Uh, six points, six rebounds, and had, had a block. Two turnovers, four fouls, 19 minutes. That's always been a problem for him. But um, they were plus six in his minutes. Only DeJounte and Okongwu had the positive plus minuses in this game. There was a little bit of noise there, but I thought Okongwu played well. Um, I think maybe that huge dunk um, maybe got a little bit too much shine. Uh, it was a fantastic play. I'm, I'm talking about just like in, as far as like informing his overall play evaluation. He was pretty good in the game. I don't think he was great, but he was pretty good. And then defensively, like he did his job for the most part, walling up on Giannis, doing what you have to do. So, uh, yeah, the bench was not terrible. I will say the one guy on the bench did struggle was Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, four points, um, did have four fouls, two assists and a steal, um, two of seven from the floor, 0 of four from three. Now, I've said this a while. I have to be consistent here. I think Jalen's got to have to shoot threes, and he took four. That's totally fine. He didn't make any of them. That's going to happen sometimes. I think the problem for me was not offensively. It was defensively. I thought he really had a bunch of mistakes. And that's going to happen. He's a young guy. That's a reminder of why he wasn't playing last year. And that's a reminder of why, you know, maybe a, maybe a shorter leash this year. 17 minutes. In fact, I think he probably played too much. I think Collins should have been playing more than he did in this one because Jalen did have a couple of uh, pretty glaring mishaps defensively. To the starters. Um, speaking of Collins, he was very quiet on offense, only took four shots. That's back-to-back games where Collins just was not a huge factor. This is something that just keeps that just tends to happen for this Hawks team. For whatever reason, they just kind of go away from him. So the first three games, first four games of the season, the Hawks were really featuring him. He was playing really well. And then now he just disappears. And it's not because he's not the same guy. He always is. The Hawks were running more stuff for Hunter off the ball. They were obviously running a lot through Trey and DeJounte. 
And I think that Colin just needs to be a little bit more prominent. It's not really his fault. Maybe a little bit of it is, but he has to be more aggressive. Um, I thought he played fine defensively. He wasn't quite as good as he had been the last couple of games because he's been awesome this year defensively. But I would like to see him play more as well. But uh, no, no huge issues. It just didn't have a great night necessarily. I thought Hunter defensively had some rough moments. Uh, did, did have 14 points on 12 shooting possessions, five rebounds as well for Hunter, but no assists. That's a number that I always track for DeAndre. He has not been a uh, frequent assist grabber this season. Um, in fact, I believe, yeah, he's average. He came in in the night averaging 1.6. So he had eight assists in the first five, no, he had eight assists, no, seven assists in the first five games. That's not a good number. In fact, only four of them, four of them came in one game. So he has had assist games where he's had one, 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 and zero. Not great. Um, defensively, kind of shaky as well from him. Not terrible. But he had some problems on the perimeter, especially against Holiday in the, in the second half. Uh, DeJounte was good, I thought, over, across the board. Not like A+, plus, but certainly a strong performance. 21 points, six, sorry, six assists, two steals, five rebounds, not a 19 from the floor, but no free throw attempts. Only Trey got to the line more than four times, and only two guys got to the line more than four times. Uh, sorry, four times or more, and it was just Hunter at four for four and Trey at seven for seven. Um, the Hawks need a little bit more at the at the free throw line from guys like Murray, from even Collins, Ove two, and no one on the entire bench attempted a free throw in the game. Not what you want. Um, and then Trey. So Trey, as I said before, was really fantastic throughout this one. I thought he pressed a little bit down the stretch, uh, but that's kind of the only nitpick that I would have. Forty two points speaks for itself on thirty two shots. He was uh, quote unquote only ten of twenty two on twos, which is not a great a great number, but for him, it's totally fine. Five, 10 on threes, seven, seven, three at the free throw line. He was efficient. He was productive. Five assists, two turnovers, six rebounds. Trey's done a good job limiting turnovers this year. I wanted to at least flag that because yesterday we, we discussed it on the Friday show. He only had one. He's only averaging, I think it's like two turnovers a game so far. Yeah. He, he had six in the opener against, uh, sorry, six against Orlando. And then he had one, 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 and two the last four games. So pretty impressive stuff from Trey. Um, defensively, it's always kind of a mess, as we all kind of expect at this stage. But offensively, he was their biggest driver of offense, and he usually is that. But he was really, really, really good and hard to stop, even when he was uh, kind of not having his absolute best stretch at the end of the game. Anyway, broadly speaking, it was a really good basketball game. Like, the Hawks have not played quality competition so far. Even when they lost against Charlotte, it was, not good. It was kind of a, just Hawks playing badly and the Hawks making a bunch of shots. Through the first five games, the Hawks had played, in my mind, this is my evaluation, but had played zero quality teams this year. That changed tonight. Um, it was a really good, competitive, entertaining game on both sides of the floor. Like, just from a neutral perspective, this is a really an awesome game to watch. And again, ultimately, a narrow loss on the road against Milwaukee is not a concern for me. The Bucs had home court. They had the advantage with no travel. The Hawks were underdogs for a reason in my mind. They could have stolen the game. They were right there at the end, but not a, not a result to panic about at all. So, that's, I know it's not satisfying, and I kind of get made fun of sometimes for being a little bit too level-headed sometimes, but this is one of those games that's like very obviously not one to panic about. Now, if they go out and get blown out on Monday against Toronto, like that's different. And as I said in that Charlotte loss at home, that was a dreadful performance last week. But this is one where like you kind of just have to say, all right, they didn't play their A-plus game. They, they could have won. They didn't win it. It's what it is, 82 games, and uh, here we are. From here, the Hawks do play Monday. It's Halloween, of course, in the United States. Um, they play the Raptors on the road Monday evening. Another test there. Not quite as not, not quite the same as like a back-to-back against Milwaukee, but the Raptors are pretty good. They are three and three this season, and they they will actually have the rest advantage. The Raptors did not play tonight, so they actually have Saturday and Sunday off plus home court. That's a little bit of an advantage for Toronto. But and they're three of three, they're three and three, but the Raptors are basically the inverse of the Hawks so far. The Raptors have played Philly twice, Miami twice. 
Brooklyn, and Cleveland so far. So basically no easy games for Toronto, whereas the Hawks have had basically five out of six. They're pretty easy games. So interesting tests for both sides. Of course, the Hawks and the Raptors were like side by side in a lot of projections this year coming into the season in wins and uh, title odds, all that fun stuff. So a sort of neutral battle there in Toronto. And then they finish off the road trip on Wednesday in New York at MSG. So anyway, plenty to, plenty to discuss. This will be uh, the last show of, I guess, this last week or the first show of this week, however you want to do that over the weekend. But I'll have a new show after the game on Wednesday, sorry, on Monday and then Wednesday and probably a few in between as well. The best way to follow the show is to subscribe to the podcast via your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher on the audio side or Podbean or wherever. But subscribe, download across platforms. That definitely helps the show to have the extra clicks and downloads, as well as on video over at YouTube. Um, that's an audience that we definitely want to grow as well. I'm always told by the higher-ups that YouTube subscriptions and views are very, very helpful. So go ahead and smash that subscribe button and like button on there as well and comment and all that fun stuff. I really appreciate all the support. Follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland if you would like to. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with a new podcast after the game on Monday night.